another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me as always is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris? Doing very well, Jody. I'm doing very well. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good, too. I'm having a very nice, mellow morning as it is. Nice. Well, you sound kind of energetic there, and I see you sipping on some tea, so you're ready to go here? You're getting pumped up? Pumped. Pumped up. I think part of it is is that I'm starting to get sleep again, and sleep is a good thing. Yeah? Yes. Yeah? That's good. Yeah, you're finding yourself making better judgments when you're mixing or doing anything with a little bit extra sleep. No, I'm finding I'm starting more new songs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and finishing okay, so old ones. I, I was going to say, follow-up question, are you finishing said new songs as well? Working on it. Working on it. All right, good. But don't just start new ideas. You know all about that, right? Oh, I do. Yeah. What about you? So what are we talking about today, Jody? We're talking about headphones versus monitors when it comes to mixing. That's a pretty big subject, isn't it? Because Gigantic. all the tools that we have. Yeah, Grand Canyon. It's a lot. Yeah, I got nothing <laughs> to, to reply to that. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it's... You know, there's so many tools today out and available for us, and it can be a little bit of a jungle. One of the things that I think more and more people finding themselves doing these days is perhaps working primarily on headphones. And there are pros and cons, I guess, that come out of that, right? But sure. do you have, I mean, I know your preference, but what, mm-hmm. what's your thought of the sort of like pros and cons of, you know, mixing on headphones? Pros. You can do it anywhere. Right. Con, you can do it anywhere. (laughs) Why is that a con? It's not necessarily a con. But the idea is, is that maybe I go out to the middle of nowhere and I'm suddenly in nature and nature takes over in terms of my attention span. (laughs) (laughs) So my mix is not focused on my mind. It's more like, hey, I'm outside in nature. Maybe I go do something else. That would be a con. Well, reality is that's more of a personal problem. That's that's less of a headphone problem, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Uh, it's a personal problem. Now, I would look at it from the standpoint that with headphones, there is a different way that you're hearing the mix than it is if you're in a room with a set of monitors. That's the big difference. And the pro is with headphones, you're getting a very intimate look at your mix or mm-hmm. a very intimate listen to your mix as compared to mixing through monitors. However, that being said, I don't use one source in terms of mixing. That's just the experience of years of saying, hey, don't do it just with one source. Yeah, but I think if I put words in your mouth here, possibly, but I think you're (laughs) going to echo this, but you do primarily your work on your studio monitors and perhaps doing some referencing on your your headphones type of thing? Is that generally your workflow? But I would say you probably do 90% of your heavy lifting with your studio monitors, yeah? Correct. Yeah, okay. Yes, correct. I I would assume the same of you. I'm going to assume that the vast majority of you is mixing through studio monitors and just a couple of checks here and there on headphones. Yes, yes, absolutely. To go back to the pros and cons there, I do think the same thing can sort of go both ways. I mean, the the practicality, if you are somebody that is on the move a lot and you travel and you have to deliver a mix, well, then you don't really have a choice, right? You're working on headphones. But the pros and cons that I think are, are beholden to both monitors and your headphones is they can be hyped. 
And when I say can be, I mean most of them are. No, they right? all no are. Matter the, yeah, be, <laughs> everything has claim, a hype I, of some sort. That, that, there's no getting around that. But they always say, oh, these are, these are flat and these are – no, they're not. Some might be, but the vast majority of things that are out there are not. And I remember listening to a certain set of speakers that were really popular about uh, 15 years ago. Let's say that there was a um, – somewhat of a budget speaker of a major brand. And uh -huh. I think you might, I, I don't want to mention who they are because that's shitty, but they, <laughs> they became really popular because they were, oh man, they're cheap and they sound really, really good. Yeah, but they were really, really hyped, uh -huh. right? So it was like, oh, listen to all that bottom end or listen to that clear top end. And they were really hyped. The same thing obviously goes for headphones, right? You think, oh my God, I can hear everything. Well, it might be, but it also that they're really hyped. So that that's a con that goes both ways. Sure. You know, it's handy to go back and forth, but we'll go into it a little bit more in detail down the line here. It's a good reference tool to have a decent set of headphones if you're doing the majority of your stuff on, on studio monitors. Maybe we should start with headphones then. All right. And talk about some pros and cons there. The first one that I tend to think of, I'll just kick this off. Kick it. Is... The biggest pro for me is thinking that it takes the room out of it. Most of us, you know, listening to this podcast as well, I'm assuming, are not in a perfectly treated, tuned room, right? So that can mean that you're sitting in a potentially really, really shitty room. <laughs> and if you're dealing with a headphone situation, that takes that out of the equation, right? So sure. th that's a big pro right off the bat for me. Mm -hmm. You've already mentioned like mixing on the go. Yes. If you're somebody that's traveling, whether that is on your subway or you're flying, whatever Or in the is, middle that, of nowhere. That, in the middle of nowhere, that's, you know, awesome. That's another one. What other things can you think of? Maybe something more negative with headphones. Well, one thing that changes drastically between studio monitors and headphones is the stereo field. Yeah. Becomes, well, two entirely different things <laughs> is essentially right. what it is because you don't have the same stereo reference when you have headphones on your ears compared to when you're listening to something out of a set of speakers. So right. that's a huge difference between headphones yeah. and, and monitors. Yeah, I agree. That's something that obviously we have to be aware of. And I think we can look at that as if we're looking for real definition, whether we're placing something in the stereo field, it can perhaps help to reference that with headphones. But mm -hmm. be aware that that is something that absolutely changes. I've done that before, before I was really aware of that, where you just, you know, you, you've been working on a mix in your headphones, and then you listen to it somewhere else. And it's like, what the hell just happened? You know? <laughs> Not a good so, question to be asking yourself a lot. No, but we all ask ourselves that a lot in the beginning, don't we? Because it's like, wow, I thought I did a decent job of this. And so, no, no, you didn't. Go, <laughs> go back and work on it more. Try again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But with that, with the stereo field thing there, something that we can implement is sort of binaural panning and binaural effects where you can get that now where it's like, spinning around in your headspace and, and you get that very much only in in headphones at least as far as i'm concerned sure. or, or aware i should say mm -hmm. yeah obviously again we're dependent on the quality of the headphones right yeah there's another effect that kind of relates to the binaural thing yeah and it has to do with when you take 
a signal that is mono. You invert mm-hmm. the phase and double it. So you have one that's in your normal recorded state. Then you have another track of it in the inverted phase. And then you delay one or two of them by X amount of samples or milliseconds. And then yeah. pan them off. In speakers, studio monitors, you'll hear that sound essentially jump out of the speakers. Yeah, we tried that one time. I think we did it on a track that you and I did together. We've done it. I've we, done we, it more than once, but yes. Yeah. And in headphones, it's an entirely different concept of how that works. But out of actual speaker speakers, when you're sitting in a prime location, it really makes that part stick out. And it's yeah. amazing how that works. And it's because of the face cancellation thing that that just gets offset, right? Because yes. of the of the delay that you're doing. So it does some interesting stuff. Yeah, if you don't have that delay, you're just face canceling right but when (laughs) you do actually set it with an inverted phase and you're setting the panning and then the delaying one of the signals it gives you the effect of where that is sitting outside in a 3d space kind of thing yeah so but the other thing too that affects the quality of what you're hearing in headphones is whether or not you have open back or closed back headphones that makes a substantial difference so with open back headphones even though you're not listening to your room you're still getting room vibe out of your hearing, which is more of a lie to me than when you have closed back headphones on. Yeah, I'm not that read up on technically what actually happens with the room sound and all that, but my experience is that you end up losing, from a listening perspective, you end up losing more low end because that's what tends to escape right from the open sure. back more than, than high end. Do you have a preference? Do you like open back or close back? Do you- I prefer close back. Yeah. That's just me. I'm not a real yeah. fan of the open back setup, but some people are. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I had a pair of, it was like the AKGs with like the, the 240s or whatever, and I ended up getting rid of them. I just didn't like them. I, it, it, was, <laughs> it, was, no, it was hard for me to get used to them, even with correcting software and stuff like that that we'll, we'll talk about later. But right. yeah, I, I had a hard time getting used to it. So, well, so. i tell you one thing right now is I'm setting with a pair of headphones and it's weird to call mm-hmm. them a pair because it's a single item with two speakers <laughs> on it. So yeah. why it's called a it's pair It's the same as a pair of scissors. Or right? a pair so. of pants. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. So the idea here that I'm going after by saying what I was about to say is I'm wearing a pair of headphones that I've had for an extremely long period of time. They don't make them anymore. And I know them so well that if something goes wrong with them, it's going to be a real drag to have to replace them because they sound so great. But is that, do they really sound so great or is it just that you know them so well, do you think? Both. Both? Yeah, I think it's both. They sound really damn good and... I've had them for a really long time. The one thing that I like about them, and these, just to spit it out there, they are the Sennheiser HD 250 Mark II, I guess they're called. Compared to one set of my monitor speakers, the Genelex, yeah, they're not really all that close. So they have a very separate range for them. But to another set of monitor speakers that I have, which is the KRK V4 Series 2, the most recent release of the V4s, They are eerily similar in terms of like if I play something through the V4s Mm -hmm. and then I play something through the 250 HD2s, I'm not noticing a substantial difference. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. 
So I know that these uh, studio really good. headphone <laughs> monitors, are, they're actually quite good in that regard. Well, you better treat them kindly then. Oh, I do. I mean, I've been through yeah. two headphone cables since I've originally owned these, and I had to replace the foam on them once. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that... But even now, some... if the foam goes away, I, I don't think I can get new foam things for them. Really? Yeah. Huh. They don't make huh. any of these anymore, and I'm sure they're I'll out be... of parts. Well, be be kind to them. I am. Be kind to them. Great. Yeah. Well, good for you. All right. <laughs> what about you? I mean, do you have a set of headphones that you have stuck with now that you've figured out there was that uh, one kind yeah. you didn't like? Yeah. Um, the first pair of headphones that I bought that were like semi decent, there mm-hmm. there is the the Sony it was the seventy five or sixes, whatever they're called. MDR is seventy five or six, I think. And those are the ones I still use today. I've had these for like twenty years plus, mm. you know. And they are I know that they are very hyped. And it was shocking when I started using uh <laughs> Sonarworks. Uh-huh. And just to see the profile of them. It's like Do they have wow, a profile yeah. of those? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's well, all I can say about it right now because we're going to talk about it more later. It was shocking. like, it, And it is to a point now where, where I go back and forth between my studio monitors and I'll go and reference something in, you know, my, my headphones. And if I don't remember to switch the profile in sonar works. It is jarring to listen to. It's like, oh my God, you know? Yeah, it, it's very, very interesting. The event of sonar works, when I saw that first time, I think it was a NAM. I can't remember the year it was, but you and I were there mm-hmm. and uh, somebody else. And it was, yeah, just seeing like all the profiles. We actually see that they monitored these. Like, they've checked them and scoped them out. And you see like, yeah, they're supposed to be so-and-so good. Yeah, they sound really, really good because there's, like a 5 dB boost at 10K, you know? It's like, <laughs> so you, you may not make the best mixed decisions when it comes to those. But sure. like you said, we'll, we'll go back into those. Then. But yeah, I, you know, I've, I've thought about switching to a different set and uh, maybe somebody who's listening can clue me in what, what you guys are using and maybe I'll try something else just to kind of mix it up a little bit. But, not a uh, bad idea, not a bad idea. With that, we're going to take a word from our sponsors. And now we're going to move on to monitors. Yeehaw. As in speakers that are sitting in your studio. Or in your recording and mixing room, if it's your mix room. Wherever, wherever you're doing you're your at. work, they're probably sitting in front of you at uh, somewhat of like maybe a 45 degree angle, hopefully, creating that nice little triangle, triangle between your head and the speakers. You mentioned what you are using. You are using your KRK Mark. Two, well, they're the they? V4 the by KRK, V4. and I think it's the Series 2 because it's the recent re-release yeah. from a couple of years ago. There was a fair bit of upgrading going on in those because I know you were, when you first heard them, you were like, I got to have these. Yes. Right? So yeah. it's a friend of mine by the name of Rich Renkin who was mm-hmm. working at KRK at the time, or rather, I guess, Gibson, who owns KRK, or if they still own KRK, I'm not sure. He was telling me that, yeah, we're going to do an update to the V4s. Mm -hmm. And eventually when they finally had them, he pulled me aside and said, hey, you got to come check these out. And he had the KRK V4s sitting right next to a set of the Genelec 1029As and Uh had the AB (laughs) switch and allowed me to plug in music that I know extremely well. 
I'd listen to it in the Genelex and I'd be like, oh, okay, this sounds like it's supposed to sound. Then I'd flip the switch and listen to the KRKV4s and be like, oh my God, it's like somebody just pulled the wool out of my ears. Wow. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was a night and day difference. So I immediately was like, okay, Rich, where do I give you the money? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't wait. I haven't been in your studio since you moved, but I would love to hear those and, and see what they are. They're awesome. You mentioned the Genelex, the old trusty Genelex right now, the, the 1029As. Yes. Again, they don't make these anymore. And I, I got that's the what last logic board. Oh, yeah, because you have to have your I had service. one of my logic boards and one of my <clears throat> Genelex went out. And I mm -hmm. ordered the last available logic board. Now, unless they've made more, right. I am the one guy that got the last one. Wow. All right. Well, good for you. So, Because <laughs> that, that, that's the monitor that I use. And I remember being turned on to these. This was when you had your LA studio. Yes. And I can't remember what I was using at the time. But I, I went to your place and I listened to Nine Inch Nails track off of the Fragile, mm -hmm. one of the instrumental pieces. And I remember this vividly, like there's a song, and it has like a really low cello in the song, just like these droney kind of things. And I'm like, oh my God, I can hear the bowing of the cello. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was so revealing. I'm like, I, I gotta have these. And I have been using them ever since. I do like the Genelix. I know some people don't like him for whatever reason. I don't know, but I'm a big fan and... Uh, yeah, that's what I'm using at this point. All right. So now that we're over our fanboying of the type of monitor speakers that we actually <laughs> right. use, what is right. one particular difference that you're getting from the monitors that you're not really getting from the headphones? Well, that's, again, it's the stereo field, mm -hmm. right? You, you hear what, what it sounds like in, in an actual room, you know. Which means you're getting a true room sound. Right, for better or worse. Because, again, we talked about, you know, not every room is created equal, right? True that. So it depends on how well your room is treated. That yes. was easy for me to say, to get the most out of your monitors, right? Mm -hmm. You could buy and have the best monitors in the world that you've read that everybody uses, but they will only be as good as your room is Yes. to a certain degree. And that can be a tough pill to swallow because... It is very unsexy, I think, to put down a lot of money on improving, you know, with baffles and bass traps and all this kind of stuff in your room. It's not fun, right? <laughs> so it's like, oh, I just want to buy cool monitors and I have a big, beautiful white cone that all the other, you know, hits were mixed on, right? Sure. But it's not as simple as that. No, it's not. And I believe I've enlisted your help. I know I've enlisted the help of others for various studio setups that I have done where it's like, hey, yeah. can you go hold a mirror on the wall for me? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so the I old can mirror set test. up my baffling and everything so that it's going yeah. to properly dampen and create the proper room sound and tuning in this room. So yeah, I've no, done that more than that once. was fun. I remember that. Yeah. And actually, you got a bit of a write up in SOS for that, right? Because that was one of those room rescue things. I did. I did get a yeah. write up in Sound on Sound. See, you're famous. Not really, but <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> oh, uh, no, but that, the treatment is, it's a little bit beyond the episode of this podcast. We maybe will do something at that. We, we've had some requests for that, so maybe we'll talk about that in a future episode. But you are obviously dependent on your room, and there are things that we can do to better ourselves. 
to get the most out of our monitors. There's another problem or issue that you might want to think about when you're choosing your monitors as well, and that is the size of your room. Yes. Right? It can be very tempting to get the biggest and the best, and you mentioned like your KRK fours. Yes. Right? They're not the biggest monitors, and neither are mine. Like I said, the, the 1029s. But I sit in a relatively small space. Yes. So having a... You mentioning that, I initially wanted to get the V8s. Yeah. Which is the next size up. It's going to look so much better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You want to be pounded in the head with sound in the chest and and in the groin everywhere. You want to feel it. However, for the room that I'm currently in, that did not make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. The good thing, though is that I do have these paired with the KRK sub that goes with them. And in doing that, this sub actually works with the eights or the fours. If I go to the eights, I will still be able to use the same sub. More than likely, probably just adjust the the crossover, I would guess. But Yeah, the the uh, crossover would be adjusted. The volume level will probably be adjusted as well, yeah. But but that's something to think about when you're choosing monitors, right? If Again, if you have... A larger room, you might have to go a little bit bigger than to just have a small cone like V4s or, right. you know, the Genelix that I'm using here. But it can be tempting, like I said, to have, you know, the biggest ones, like a big eight when you think, oh, I'm going to get all this low end. <laughs> right. And while that technically be true, it, it can create more issues than the positives because you might not have proper base trapping or everything, and it just ends up bouncing around your room. And you're well, there's other things that have to be taken into consideration is the amount of sound that the speaker is spitting out and where it's going to actually be ideal in terms of the mm-hmm. amount of power it takes to drive that speaker. Yeah. And that's another reason why you want to be considerate of the size of your room right. when you're going for the size of your speaker. Because the bigger they are, the further away you want to sit from them. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, possibly, like you said, you might need to drive them a little bit harder and all this kind of stuff, and that may not be practical in the in the room that where you are. And you shouldn't be mixing that loud anyway. So no. no. Right. Maybe we should touch a little bit on, again, like if you have a smaller speaker, it can be a good solution to, like you mentioned, to have a sub paired with it. I would pair uh, a sub anyway, but yes. Would you? Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Have you found that, that it it's changed your workflow or is it just easier for you to, to hear the subs essentially because the smaller speaker is not going to be able to reproduce as low as 40 or, or 50 perhaps, right. right? Or And below. So technically speaking in the room that I'm currently in, it's probably not the wisest decision to have a sub. However, even though I still have a sub, setting the proper level with it and the proper crossover frequency and everything does allow me to hear slash feel certain low-end aspects of the mix that I would not be able to hear on either the Genelex or the KRKs or any singular self-powered monitor system that I could put in here that is appropriate for the size of the room. And when you say level, you're talking about actual volume of this. Yes. Yes. You used a word there, which is important as well to kind of keep in mind that you, you said feel. Yep. And when you get down to certain frequencies, it's almost like you feel them more than you hear them, right? If you notice that when you turn on your sub, like your desk is shaking, there might be, there <laughs> might be, be too much stuff going on. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, there might be too much stuff going on down there, right? So it can be very 
revealing. I have chosen to go without a sub, mm -hmm. but what I do, because the Janalex don't go down very far, I think they actually go down only to about 60, which is pretty high. I'm going to say 70. You know, I'm going to say 60, but okay. We'll, we'll have to arm wrestle on that. We'll break <laughs> out the documentation. What I tend to do is that's when I tend to check in headphones as well, uh -huh. to, just to kind of make sure that, okay, what I think is there is actually there and, you know, avoiding the temptation of mixing with our eyes, right? And just having like, you know, a spectrogram in front of you. It's like, okay, well, there is something going on down there, but, but to make sure I'm hearing what I intend to hear, right. I tend to go with you know, a headphone thing, to, just to double check that. At this point, because I've been using them for a while, so I'm relatively tuned into them. So I kind of know what- Except for when you turn them, sonar works on and off. Oh yeah. Oh, that was, yeah, that was a big thing. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so maybe we'll, we'll go into that. Maybe, sure. What well, about, yeah. Using both and doing a mix is, you got your monitors, you have your headphones. Some people will even pull out singular speaker monitor speakers like the Aratones. Oh yeah. To check yeah. their mixes. And I think that's great because when you hear it, you know, there, there's even like, I can't remember who it is that, is it Audio Modern or company like that that do uh, what they call like the mix checker, which is, you know, essentially just removes certain frequencies and emulates those things. But, but you're talking about a real life thing where you're checking your mix on a mono designed to sound shitty speaker, like, like, <laughs> like the Oratone. I'm, sure I'm not sure they would say that it would be designed to be sounding shitty, but yeah. Well, no, but, but it's not, it's, I don't think I'm stepping on any toes where I'm saying that it is what it is. It is a mix track and nobody is, they're not designing that to be your primary speaker. Right. It is for that purpose to count. I, I believe that they're relatively mid-heavy and not a whole lot else, right? So it can reveal stuff that is present in your mix that may not be as obvious in in, in another environment. Sure. So people do that. And I mean, people check their mixes these days on air buds and stuff, right? Yep. So, because that, that's how a lot, a lot of, people. of people are listening to music this, mm -hmm. these days. Yeah, so you want to make sure it's going to translate relatively well, I guess. Yes. Well, but that's the that's, idea of using both headphones of, of multiple kinds and or the type that people tend to use in addition to yeah. the studio monitors that you have. Yeah, so everything is basically just different tools to help you make sure that your mix translates, which is, I think, one of the hardest things. Like when we start out, if we don't realize how poorly our room might sound because we have no other reference, mm -hmm. right? And then it's the old, oh, let's go out and listen to the car type of thing. And then you go, wow, what yeah. happened, right? Or if you're lucky, it's like, yeah, that went great on the first try. Great, you know. Well, then there's also the aspect of having other mixer friends, mixing engineer friends that you can send mixes to and say, hey, what do you think of this? Definitely. And they have Definitely. a different setup than you, and they are going to hear different things than you, and they can give you good feedback if they know what they're talking about. And that is a good thing. And whenever you get that feedback, don't take it personally. <laughs> Remember, you're asking for a good thing. You're not asking them for to just stroke your ego. And if they go, hey, this sounds great. Awesome. You've done your job. But if they go, hey, I think uh, your left guitar is a little bit too loud in the bridge or whatever it is, mm -hmm. take that to 
take that to heart and maybe reconsider it. We talked about different environments, but there is a lot of room correction software now. Or there's the big one that you and I talk about a lot is now Sound ID. It used to be Sonarworks, right? Well, it's made by Sonarworks. It's called Sound ID now. That was when I got that, it really, really, really improved my mixes. Was it like getting a spanking and saying, here, now you can do it right? I'm trying to think of a sexual joke, but I can't. <laughs> but um, it, it was, well, it was very revealing. It was, I started noticing that the issues that my room had, mm-hmm. even though I'm not sitting in a professionally tuned room, I've, I've done the best that I can in, in the room that I'm in, but there are still issues. And Sonarworks has taken care of that because it showed me that I, I know I had a bump in around the 110 mark or something. My mixes never sounded full because I would compensate by that by bringing down those, those frequencies. Having those removed from my listening path and compensating for the room allowed me to make more educated decisions because I could actually hear. We can't fix what we can't hear. Right? right. And the same thing again, going for headphones when, when I check there. There's another profile right there. So great tools, great tools. I wouldn't, unless I was in like a really amazing room, I would not mix without them. Well, but even in a really amazing room, it helps substantially to have four or five tracks that you know the yes. entire ins and outs based on a variety of different listening environments to give yourself your own reference tools to what that room is supposed to sound like. Yeah. If you're not going to use sonar works. I'll just go right out on a limb and say right now, one of my primo tracks to listen to in order for, to understand a room like that is Red Rain yeah. by Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Oh, it, the yeah. range yeah, I mean, on that song is insane. When you do that, you kind of get a uh, a picture of what's happening in the low end, what's happening at the top, and presumably all mid-range as well. Like you, you start noticing if it's certain nodes, if something is missing somewhere, or if it's heavy in certain frequencies. Is that So how long does that process kind of take you? Is that at this point, is that pretty much instant for you now? Pretty close. And I, I do good. it whether it's monitor speakers or headphone speakers. That's like my yeah. go-to song, like one of my go-to songs right there, Red Rain. Okay, yeah. Could be a lot worse songs than that, <laughs> right? So, yeah. No, that, that, that's really interesting. Now, a new thing is the uh, technology now where using headphones, we can get the sense of sitting in a different room and mixing. Sure. Like, I mentioned like the Slate VSX, mm-hmm. right? Waves have their own one. They got their... It's got the NX series. I think there's like an Ocean Way in Nashville. And they have Mix LA here in LA, the Chris Lord Algae Room. There's others as well, like D-Sonic has a, you know, a product called Real Phones. Compensating for, you know, your, your hype of your headphone, it attempts to binaurally put you in a space that is an actual room that is tuned and professionally treated and all this kind of stuff. Have you tried those out? And if so, what's your experience with them? I haven't actually tried them out. The thing that would bother me about it is whether or not they have the profile of the headphones. If they don't have the profile of the headphones that I'm using, it doesn't matter what room they set me in because it's going to be hyped. Yeah, it's 
by right. whatever headphone by, I'm using. So they have to right. be able to remove the headphone hype before they set me in the room. Right. That's, well, that's what, what I would Slate say. Slate does, right? Because they actually, you get the headphones, right? Oh, it's so Slate, is, the Slate system is the headphones that you have to get. Yeah. And that makes sense. The, the, I think the uh, real phones, one, the Sonic ones, they have certain profiles for your headphones as well. Right. I'm not sure that the Waves one does. And if, if it doesn't, I think that's, that's a problem. I think so too. But one thing that I tried, because I've tried out, I tried the Waves one and I've tried the, the real phones one. And you have to allow yourself to get used to, to doing that. Sure. Uh, because it is a very, very different feeling than just listening in regular headphones because you're, you're sort of losing that directional thing that we talked about with the stereo image, right? Mm -hmm. For me, I, I have had a hard time getting used to it. But I'm pretty happy with my room where I sit most of the time. But as a second pair of headphones, I would be very intrigued to kind of try the, the Slate thing. But the one thing that I'll kind of point out is yeah. that people tend to say, well, if you can make it sound good on these, it's going to sound good anywhere. And the reality of that is <laughs> like, no, that's not true. You have to know your system. You have to know what's going on. And you have to have it in a setup that doesn't technically lie to you on a grand scale. All yeah. systems are going to lie. It's how much you can remove the extraneous portions of the lie that will help you get to a good mix. Yeah. And that's that's the yeah. reality. Yeah, I remember hearing that a lot early on. When, when it's basically an excuse for people to, to say, oh, I, I know I got shitty speakers in a shitty room, but if I could make it sound good on these, it's going to sound great everywhere. It doesn't mean that it's going to translate. And that can sound harsh, but that's just the reality of it. Sure. You know, to wrap this up, I think learn what your headphones or what your monitors sound like. Get really, really comfortable with that. And with that, we will move on to Friday Finds. Chris, what Ooh. do you have? I have another find to Outputs Arcade that is now version 2.0 that I really, really enjoyed. There's been some new implementation. It's uh, the GUI has changed and developed a little bit. I noticed that there have been some bugs fixed. Hint, hint. Also, what they've added now with this engine is that you have a lot more control of playing pitched samples. Mm. What I mean by that, in past versions, you could play a sample and you could adjust what pitch that was being played back at. And you have a relatively rudimentary control over that. But now that has changed so that you have a little bit more control over that. You could actually treat it more like an instrument. And that is a cool thing. Arcade 2.0 by output is my find of this Friday. What about you, Jody? What do you got? Well, I'm taking a look at the IK Multimedia Tascam tape plugins. So for yeah, all of you, <laughs> yeah, for all of you young guys that wished that you could have started like Chris and I technically did on Tascam Porta Studios, you can now get that Tascam Porta Studio sound. 
Maybe not exactly <laughs> the same way as we did it, but you can at least have that concept in your wheelhouse because they've gone through and they have emulated the recording and playheads of the Porta One studio. In addition to that, they've done a couple of others like the 388, which I'm kind of curious to wonder why they didn't do the 688. I don't know. The reality is, is those machines were actually quite clever machines and they were very good at getting the average musician the ability to record themselves on a multi-track. And Absolutely. they were small, they were portable, they were great. They could run on batteries or on AC power. It was awesome. Great way yeah. to start out for recording. However, yeah. we're well beyond that now. But if you want that kind of tape quality type thing, you can now get it from IK Multimedia with their Tascam tape collection. And that's my Very Friday cool. find. Very cool. While we've got your attention, we would like you to go to our website and leave us a review at InsideTheRecordingStudio.com forward slash review or go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our email list. You'll get weekly reminders about the tips that we put out every Tuesday and we'll make sure you don't miss any future episodes and the real bonus is when we hold giveaways, you're automatically entered to win. Send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at insidetherecordingstudio.com with the word monitoring, and you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic of suggestion for Chris and I to explain in a future episode, contact us via the contact page, and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. And with that, I will say, see you next week. Have a good one, Jody. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody.